Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 70th episode of the You Thought Sports Podcast. I am joined this week by Jared, Bart, and Aiden. White is on leave this week, but we'll see him right back here next week. We'll start today Unpaid with leave, Aiden. I almost didn't even mention Bart and Aiden's name because of how they treated me before the show started. But I decided <laughs> oh, thank to you. leave yeah, them on. Right. <laughs> I know. He's going to put um, us on unpaid leave the same way he did with Wyatt. <laughs> Intel is just me, like, monologuing for, like, an entire episode. Nobody else is here. Um, but we'll get started with the news roundup. First off, we'll start with some NFL news. Uh, Carson Wentz did not allow Philadelphia media members at his press conference uh, where he was introduced as the newest quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts. Any thoughts on that? I don't have any problem with that. He doesn't owe them anything. It's, it's just, like, a weird request. Like, it is weird. Uh, but like, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he owes them anything either, but I still think it's like a, a crybaby type of move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really, really some bad blood between him and yes. Philadelphia, I think. Yeah. Which is sad. Um, more NFL news Urban Meyer says, quote, free agency is awful. <laughs> I just hot take. Yeah, I saw, I saw a headline that he was he was just saying that because the Jaguars did nothing in free agency or something like that. They had so, a ton to spend too, didn't they? Yeah, they had a bunch didn't of money, they? and they like a lot of people didn't really like what they did. So. Wow. So when you when you can't just like stack up on all the five star recruits, you don't like it anymore. Go figure. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tough way. Yeah. Tough. Um, and then a bunch of March Madness news that was the big sporting event this past week. Uh, Aiden and I's Illinois-based brackets are busted. Um, <laughs> My final is Illinois-Kansas, so that aged oh, extremely that's well. Anyway, tough. <laughs> it's um, been a tough week. Yeah, <laughs> Illinois lost to Loyal Chicago, who is on a crash course for their second Final Four <laughs> run in three attempts at the tournament because we didn't have one last year. It's pretty mm. crazy. Um, I think they're currently the second highest seed remaining in their portion of the bracket as yeah. well. It's kind of wow. crazy. So we'll see how that goes. Other crazy things that happen: Oral Roberts is in the Sweet Sixteen. Um, <laughs> fun fact: Fun yeah. fact they learned about the man Oral Roberts is that he was like a he, owned, he was in charge of like a really big church, and one time they were running out of money. And so he said, I will literally die if you don't donate, like, a few million dollars to the church right now. So that, a fun fact I learned about Oral Roberts. <laughs> did he get the money or did he die? <laughs> well, he, he's not currently still living. And I don't know if that was because of the money or because he was born in, like, 1910. <laughs> yeah, who is named Oral these days? He must have yeah, been yeah, born in, like, the true. 1800s anyway. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's still happening. Uh, and Jared has been vindicated in saying that people unfairly hate West Coast teams. The Pac-12 yeah. has been playing fantastically uh, in the tournament so far this year. They have four of the 16 teams in the Sweet 16, a full 25%. Um, not too bad. Oregon did only advance to the second round because VCU had to forfeit because of COVID. But they did beat Iowa. It was yeah, number come seed, so. That was a big win. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, you know. <laughs> They had some extra rest. Who really knows, you know, how much that contributed. <laughs> or Oregonator. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Listen, the West Coast really, eight never ends. Not even so yeah, anyway. yeah. yeah. Also, Oral Roberts did live from 1918 to 2009. I just looked up. So it oh, okay. And good he, did the, the, he did the I will die thing in 1987. So Whoa. presumably he got the money. 
Okay. Um, so, good for, yeah, good for good him. Good for Ordo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's but, uh, <laughs> it really is. Um, also, one of my, I'll shout out before we get into our actual discussion. Abilene Christian, maybe my favorite team of the tournament, all in purple. Proved yeah. that Texas is not back <laughs> in any sense of the word, in any oh, sport. Um, yeah. They were fun. They... They won the game shooting 29% from the field, which is... Wow. They forced so remarkable. many turnovers. <laughs> and I thought it was just Texas being awful, but it turns out Abilene Christian was like second in the nation or something and forced turnovers per game. I was like, wow, yeah. okay. okay. So, well done. Was awesome. You don't need to shoot, but like, you can just steal the ball. Yeah, there were like four people bleeding in like the last five minutes of that game, too. <laughs> At one point, they just did like a really slow zoom in on some blood on the floor. Yeah. And like... <laughs> So, yeah, I missed that somehow. <laughs> Good for them, I guess. You were watching the PG version, Bart. Yeah, you were watching yeah. the censored. <laughs> you were watching Nickelodeon's <laughs> Nickelodeon's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> They just, like, slime cannoned over yeah. all the blood. <laughs> um, but our first major topic for today stays in the realm of March Madness. Clearly, we've been talking about it. It's a pretty big thing going on. Jared said that he saw a claim that there's one stat that proves why March Madness is better than college football and its postseason, and that is because since 1991, so the last 30 years, the NCAA has produced eight first-time champions, while college football has only produced three. First-time champions meaning they've never won a title in their program's history. So, Jared, do you agree that March Madness makes college basketball a better sport than college football? No. So, here, here's the thing is I, I don't care about parody, as, at least not as much as everybody else does. Classic I, I've personally only watched like two March Madness games, and I think that just because your playoff format produces a lot of random, randomness doesn't mean it's better, and certainly doesn't mean it's a better sport. Like, the, I don't think the excitement of each sport doesn't just boil down to the playoffs. Like You have, you have to take the full season into account. It's kind of like I, I, it's kind of like a movie comparison. This might be kind of dumb, but I'd rather watch like a fun movie with a really predictable ending than a movie that's a sleeper for like an hour and forty five minutes and has like a really wild final fifteen minutes. And most people agree with me, by the way. Avengers Endgame is the highest grossing movie of all time, and it's very predictable in the ending. Anyway, each week in college football, just I, one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> each week in college football has urgency. I think the narratives especially like kind of in the media are just easier to create with football because of their schedule. Like I think we've said this before and everything and I don't know, it boils down to, I just don't think that I, I will agree their playoff format is, I would say it's more exciting. Like it, it produces yes. more randomness, but their playoff form is more exciting. But I think you got to take into account the entire season. The fact that you don't really get to know the stars that well, they stay for one year and then leave the best players stay for one year and then leave where in college football, they stay for three years, and you kind of, like, grow with them a little bit. I think taking all that to account, I definitely don't think, just from my, you know, biased point of view, that you could say college basketball is a better or more entertaining product than college football. So would you be a supporter of keeping the regular season in college football but somehow making the playoff more random? To get like the best of both worlds, or do you not think that? I and mean, I guess we've kind of yeah. talked about this before. We have talked about it. I, I'm kind of like get, moving off my mountain that I or my hill I used to die on about the 14 playoff. Because I, I mean, yeah, I I don't really I still think it's entertaining to watch Alabama Clemson. It's still a fun game, but I do I 
I agree. I would love to see some new faces in there sometimes, you know. Or, like, even Alabama-Ohio State, it wasn't that close of a game. But I don't know. Just me, personally, I like. I would prefer to watch a three-hour football game than a two-hour college basketball game. That's, like, kind of just nothing you can do to solve that, really. It's just, it's just two different games. So, yeah. I think uh, I'm going to, even though college football is probably my favorite sport, I think March Madness might be a better product just because it is more exciting at its peak. And I think... Like, it has this, like, sort of cultural weight that college football never really does. Like, it's something that brings in... Really? Yeah, I think March Madness brings in people who are not fans of basketball in to watch. Okay, that's true. And I think it makes it um, more interesting. And I think... You say this a lot, Jared, too, about sports are about um, being entertaining and making things more entertaining, right? And I think Mm -hmm. March Madness is a far more entertaining, if not better, at producing a champion than college football is at really any point. And I think so much of what makes sports good and interesting is about narratives, and you'll never have a narrative in college football that's like, you know, Abilene Christian in the postseason beating Ohio State. Mm-hmm. The reigning, This year's la- the reigning champ, I mean, there's been the weird year in between because of COVID and everything, lost in the first round to Ohio. Like, stuff like that doesn't happen with any sort of real consequence in college football at any point. Like, Michigan might lose to Appalachian State, but it's not in a necessarily <laughs> high-stakes game like where well, it really matters. I mean, I'll yes push back no. on it, though. It is high-stakes because you can't you can't really lose a game in college football. You can lose, like, one maybe. Yeah, but you so can't Michigan lose can. to Appalachian State, so it was high-stakes, right? Yeah, but I don't think it's on the... the in theory, but... <laughs> yeah. Like, I think it's, like, different. Like, it's, like, one is, like... It shouldn't theoretically impact your your sort of ability to compete for a championship, like losing one game necessarily, even though it might. But in college in college basketball, March Madness, it's just like the elimination. Like it's just like you're out. You are like categorically out. There's no coming back. At least we did this every year with Notre Dame when they lose the game. It's like, well, maybe if like this happens and this happens and that happens and they can sneak their way into the playoff, you can do that if Michigan loses to Appalachian State. Here it's just like it's one and done and over and. In addition to that, I think it creates better narratives because it really, and not that we have to delve back into the college football playoff fairness debate, it really gives teams a chance to prove that they are good. Like, Loyola is a perfect example of a team who, like, all the stats said was a top 10 team this year, but because they're in the Missouri Valley Conference, um, they were an eight seed. And they came in, won their first game, and then kind of kicked, like, knocked Illinois out of the water. Like, they looked so much better of a team than Illinois did. And Illinois was the Big Ten champ major conference champion, 15 of the last 16, and Loyola was just a better basketball team. Like, I think you can say that with fairly high confidence. And I think because it helps create those narratives uh, and gives teams a shot, it's a more entertaining product at its peak. Like, the, the regular well, season is obviously less exciting in college basketball yeah. than it is in football. But I think if you're talking about, at the end of the day, which is a better product, I think you could argue that it's March Madness just because that peak is so high, has such good narratives, and gets so many people involved that wouldn't otherwise be. Are you saying March, Man- March Madness is a better product than the college football playoff, or are you saying college basketball is a better product than college football? Which one I think are you saying? I, that's tough, because I think... I think it's just, like, I wrote this in my notes. It really just depends on how you're defining it, because... Yeah, how are you defining it? I'll say, 
college football basketball at its peak is a better product than college football at its peak. Really? But I, th- but I think college football is a more consistently good product. Is how I'll okay. I don't know. So. I, I I get it. I I get where you're coming from, but I don't know if I would say even that that college football. I think college football at its peak, like a game that goes into overtime, you got four downs to score or whatever, is more exciting than a college basketball buzzer beater for me. Yeah, I, I think inherently it comes down to whether you like football yeah. or basketball yeah, more. I, That's yeah. what it's going to yeah. boil down to. I agree with you, Jared, that I think college football is more fun, but it's also just because I like watching football games more than basketball games. Like, will I watch the March Madness like, title game? Sure, but that might be the only one that I watch fully. I don't know. So, whereas I definitely would have watched more of a college football yeah. season, like you were saying earlier. So, yeah. yeah. It's funny because I, I think that one of the March Madness games that I would be least likely to watch, and I probably will still watch it to some extent, but it's the title game. I feel like that's not mm-hmm. even the like super fun part of March Madness per se. Mm-hmm. It's like the first weekend, as far as I can see, or even the second. Which is like, mm-hmm. which I think is just me kind of craving randomness to some degree. So mm-hmm. I, I do kind of agree with the argument that like, I think it's such a great event. Um, but in terms of like the actual sport, I'd probably be more likely to watch the, like the college football final or like, and that's again, just a, you know, a, you know, sport based preference. Um, but there's something to be said, like you rarely get like the kind of um, random chaotic uh that you see in march madness and so consistently like march mm-hmm. madness i feel like every year does not disappoint in terms of that level of like just total ridiculousness and you don't really get that with any other like sport i think because with yeah. college first of all you have teams that are irrelevant it's not like professional sports where every team's you know qualified to some degree mm-hmm. um and then with the the 64 teams like obviously something crazy is going to happen so it is such a great product yeah, so the most either... exciting part, so to reframe it, the most yeah. exciting part is the games that have the least significance. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that's, that's a good? Do you me. think that means yeah. it's a better product? Then I, I don't know. I see what you're saying, but no, not necessarily a better product. I think it's a better event, per se. I don't know. Yeah. Like again, drawing that distinction is kind of weird. Um, yeah. But I think there's something to be said for the fact that it's just such a cultural, like, moment. I feel like anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Lucas, maybe what, Luke, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Lucas. Yeah, I cut both of you guys off now. So. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Someone speak. <laughs> no, I think it's true. Like what Aiden said too about like the games I watch. Like I watched every, pretty much every single first and second round game this yeah. weekend because I think that is the most exciting part yeah. of the tournament. Uh, I mean, like obviously you can have a great title game and everything, but I don't know. By the second weekend, your bracket's usually gone and stuff <laughs> like that, and like the good teams are usually uh, like all the big upsets have happened, but. It's still really exciting, I think, throughout. But that's something I don't think I'd thought about before. Maybe, you know, somewhere deep in the recess of my mind. But, like, for me, the most exciting part of March Madness is those, like... Yeah. I think the first two days of March Madness are two of, like, the best days yes. of sports all year. I agree. Like, I'll give all you All the first-round games. In terms of, like, taking off a day to watch sports, like, yeah. I get that we have the Super Bowl off. Let's say that we have no weekends. I'd take the Super Bowl, and then I'd take the first two days of March Madness, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Jared, were you going to say something when you so rudely cut me and Bart off? <laughs> no, no, I was just going to throw it back over to you. No. So I, I think I'm good. I just, I think it's a strike against it that the, the most insignificant games of the tournament are the most exciting. It's another strike against it, but. 
it is a, it yeah, is a positive for it in the same way that yeah. like yeah they're just different it's apples to yeah. oranges at some point but yeah. and like <laughs> obviously i love college football too like like i said it's probably my favorite sport but i think i think it is a consistently better product but i think march madness is a slightly higher peak yeah. than college football's highest peak yeah just in terms of like an event and like a cultural yeah. happening and like a, a brand i think it's better yeah. Like nobody's filling out their college football playoff bracket. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's only four teams, so like yeah. there aren't that many permutations of how you could fill it out, but still. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. Well, uh, staying with a little looking at, staying with a little look at uh, the, um, the similarities, differences between college basketball and college football, some analysts, in quotes, may say... <laughs> that teams like Gonzaga can compete against Kentucky and Duke because of the one-and-done rule rather than in spite of it. And the one-and-done rule means that in college basketball, you only have to play your freshman year, and then you can go straight to the NBA. In situations like this, teams with the best talent um, win often, beca- um, often win but have less stability and chemistry, while smaller teams can play with more chemistry because they don't have their players leave after one season. They say all four years they can stick with the program. So, Bart, do you agree, do you agree with this theory? Do you think that... The one-and-done rule actually hurts the bigger programs. And if college football players can hypothetically leave after one season, do you think that would dramatically shift the power in the sport? So we said analysts in quotes, but I actually do think there is something to this theory. Uh, so it's, it, I think it's a really fascinating question. The trouble is I had a really hard time finding much data to, to give me you know, information about one and dones, I found <laughs> one Washington Post article about this, and that's what I'm, I'm going to be citing for a lot of this. So <laughs> bear with me. It's yeah. If anybody has any other figures or information that they want to drop on me to change my perspective, I'm all ears. But basically, there's this one article where they wrote about the effectiveness of one and done teams in college basketball. Right. So since 2000, it's like mm-hmm. oh, 05 or 06 when they brought the rule back. Right. There have been 97 one and done teams, meaning a team that had at least one one and done player. There were, quote, stacked and unstacked teams. Stacked is what they defined as they had at least 30% of their minutes given to one and dones. Otherwise, they were unstacked, which means that their one and dones didn't play that much, right? So the really interesting stat that this article gives is that of the 10, quote, unquote, stacked one and done teams, they were really, really good in March Madness. Nine of the 10 made the Sweet 16 at least, half of them made the Final Four, and two of the 10 won it all which to me seems like it's really, really good. That's like a really good success rate. On the other hand, the 87 that were unstacked, had like a, a quarter of them missed the tournament entirely, which is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> Another quarter of them didn't even make the, uh, past the first round. So what is my point here? My point here is that this suggests to me that one and dones would have a very big impact if you let them stay for more than one year, or if they wanted to stay for more than one year. Because apparently when you have enough of one and dones on a team to actually play significant minutes, your team becomes pretty OP. Basically, this is what the stats say. So then I think the question becomes, if Duke and Kentucky, uh, these seem like the real two culprits here as far as like huge one-and-donners go, if they were keeping their one-and-donners for more than one season, I think the question becomes, would future recruits still be going to these schools as often knowing that the other stars from previous seasons were staying there for longer and taking some of their minutes and their highlights and whatever? Based on college football, I think the answer would be yes, they'd still be doing that. And then I think, yeah teams would still be, they would be getting really OP as far as like the top tier schools in recruiting go because their one and donors would be staying. They'd be getting really, really good. And the other teams like Gonzaga, like we mentioned in the question, nothing would be changing for them because their players are already staying anyway. So yes, I do think actually that having one and donors leave 
is uh, a detriment to teams that have a lot of one and doneers because the stats show when you have one and done players, but they don't like there aren't a lot of them on your team at once. You're actually not going to be particularly good. It's only when you have a lot of them. So that's that. As far as whether college football would have a similar thing, I think it's actually kind of an apples to oranges comparison for one main reason, which is that basketball physique and football physique are super different. The thing is that 19-year-olds playing football are almost never physically like qualified to play in the NFL, right? I think it, you'd have very few people actually utilizing a one-and-done rule in college football and going into the NFL because almost nobody could handle like the physical stress of it. So I think, yes, you would see a little bit more parity in college football if it were a thing, but I think it, very few people would be using it, so I think the difference would be pretty small. As opposed to college basketball, tons of guys can go to the NBA. You saw even when they were coming out of high school years ago, some people were qualified then. So I think it's quite different, and it makes more of a difference in college basketball. That's what the numbers say to me, though. I don't know if anybody else has any contrary thoughts. That was impressive. Yeah, that was yeah. <laughs> a thesis. <laughs> I think it's a fascinating question. The answer is, yeah, it's like it's yeah. it's impossible to say. I feel like I don't know. Yeah. I also think in college, in college basketball, on the other side of like the teams that like have chemistry because their players don't leave, college basketball is much more of a team sport than NBA is, where NBA can be like a lot of iso balls sometimes. Mm-hmm. College basketball is definitely a lot more team ball, design plays, and like working you know, kind of like working around your strengths of the team, I think. And I think that does. So I think that kind of plays into the other side of that argument, where like the teams that have chemistry, I do think chemistry chemistry does matter in basketball like you need to kind of know like how to how do we like kind of space the floor with these other four guys that are on the the court i think that matters a lot more than like a sport like baseball you could just throw freaking yeah. nine of the best players on the team and they'll be fine you know they don't need to know about spacing or anything so yeah just to add on that yeah i think if anything sort of hinting at the second part of the question with college football i think for the most part, parts right. Like, there's just no way freshman in college, unless you're maybe like Trevor Lawrence or someone like that. Like, he's probably one of the only of the past decade who could have like truly made the leap to the NFL at that age. Um, and even then, like, it could have been pushing it. Like, he was a great prospect, but I don't know if he would have been a great NFL talent at that point. If you just sort of like eliminate the requirement, like, I think once you get towards like sophomores, it might have an impact. I think you might have more people leaving after their sophomore year. It's still like. You know, a little bit of a gray area, but one thing I think that can do is help smaller teams a tiny bit by just, like, if you can leave after your freshman or sophomore year and it's less um, about, you know, developing all the way to your your junior year and you can really, like, showcase yourself as a freshman or sophomore at, like, a smaller school, I think that could potentially have an impact, but even that I'm pretty ambivalent on just because I think the development you get at a place like Alabama or Ohio State or even Notre Dame is is more valuable for you staying an extra year or two to like get the coaching, get you know, get the strength to play in the NFL than it would be to like play for New Mexico and mm-hmm. really just like ball out your freshman and sophomore year. There's also kinda like the the added dimension of once I mean, I don't, I'm not really 100% sure where this all is at, but, like, players are going to start being able to, like, profit off their likeness or whatever in California. And I, I don't know. It's probably eventually going to spread. Is there, like, would people – now there's, like, a, the facet of if I'm a top high school player, do I want to be a big fish in a small pond 
like at New Mexico or do I want to be like a smaller fish in this really big pond at Alabama? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, if you're if you're just looking at it purely monetary wise, so that even that mm-hmm. might level out the playing field just to kind of add on to to that. But. Yeah, yeah. No, I thought that was a very interesting port uh, point you raised, uh, Bart, about how in college football, like Alabama and Clemson, they keep refilling like guys who might not start until their junior or senior year, like still seem to go there with consistency, which right. is which has always been interesting to me. And yeah, I wonder if that would carry over if, if basketball kind of got rid of some kind of you know one and done role. But I don't know if that's like. Just guys being the best wherever they're coming from, just being like, yeah, I'll, like I'll, you know, I'll make it at Bama. I'll like, I'll still be be good enough to to get the spot. I, I guess there's an element of like, they know they're good in it. Um, but it does kind of surprise me that yeah, it isn't more spread for people who want to be the the big fish in the small pond because there's something to be said for that, um, mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. But yeah. Yeah, there must just be a lot of appeal, like knowing you're going to a good coach, knowing you're going to a program with like a lot of money and, you know, great facilities and things like that. Knowing you're going to a place where their football culture is like off the charts, (laughs) things like that, probably all. Yeah. yeah, Like at other schools, you just can't get like the quality of a football experience. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe just the fact that like they're seeing every, I'm sure this has to do with the fact that they're seeing every year Bama and Clemson in the finals, whereas in college basketball. Like it's you do have the possibility to to make a splash and make a run if you're going to Loyola Chicago. So I got, mm. like it would make it a more attractive compared to you know the the same situation in college football. Yeah, I feel like there are a lot of guys that are one and done that or at least in recent years that like haven't gone to like the Dukes or the Kentuckys yeah. and have still like made a name for themselves. Yeah. Like Kate Cunningham's yep. projected as like the number one overall pick this year. He went to Oklahoma State. Yep. Ben Simmons went to LSU. Anthony yep. Edwards went to Georgia. Those are just, like, ones off the top of my head, so I think it's, like, an interesting dynamic there, too, where it's, like, so much of basketball is just about, like, raw talent and just, you, like, the coaching is obviously important, and you're never going to be, like, a truly elite player unless you get great coaching, but I think the NBA can sort of take you and mold you out of just, like, raw talent in a way that is hard to do in the NFL because you just need such, I think, good basis of coaching in college. I mean, you need to build it, like, most importantly, like, the strength, like, to get the yeah. physique for the NFL, and you're, that's something you're more equipped to do at a place like Alabama or Ohio State or any of the places that we've mentioned before. Yeah. I feel like you would you would think, in terms of, like, uh, NBA scouts, like, think they can kind of mold you, <laughs> is NFL scouts definitely think the same thing. Like, Mitch Trubisky <laughs> or whatever, oh, it wasn't that yeah. great in college, but look we at that this. arm, yeah. look at his physical <laughs> stature. And, like, Josh Allen, yeah. that's, like, that that kind of working out. He wasn't that accurate necessarily in college and now all of a sudden he's like a mvp so it's kind of funny well i mean mr trubisky is going to the bear to the bills (laughs) so uh, now he's gonna do the same josh allen thing it's pretty interesting (laughs) yeah so we'll see i don't know i I don't see college football ever adopting any sort of rule like that but it's yeah fun with the hypothetical nor should they i don't think (laughs) no they used to i think uh, in ohio like, in, it was until 2003 you could, you could leave after your freshman year if you really wow. wanted to. I think a guy named Maurice Claret from Ohio State is, like, the last person to ever do it. Mm. He did not have a good NFL career for probably all the reasons that we mentioned. Yeah. Um, but moving into the realm of professional sports and the NBA, LeBron is out indefinitely due to a high ankle sprain. I think they modified it. It'll be a few weeks that he's out now. Um, I think up to a month. Um 
He suffered it against the Hawks last week. Anthony Davis, also sidelined, has been sidelined on and off. So, Aiden, what's the state of the West after this injury? Um, and how far could the Lakers fall? And is their title defense in trouble? Yeah, it probably doesn't like actually make that much of a difference, given that he'll be back. And again, we don't know if you know how healthy he'll be when he's back. But assuming that by playoff time, him and AD are okay, this probably doesn't matter that much. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that the the West is tight, and it's not like the Lakers are the you know the were even the undisputed top dog before they went down. I mean, obviously the Jazz have had the best record. Uh, the Lakers have now slipped to fourth. They've lost, I think, three games in a row. They're probably going to, like, keep kind of slipping to probably, like, a five or six until they get AD um, and or LeBron back. Um, but I don't think... I don't think it actually matters that much. It just means that they might have a... They might have to face the... Like, if AD and LeBron don't come back until late, like, there's a chance that the Lakers could have a pretty tough second-round draw against a, a Jazz or Suns, who look pretty scary at the moment. Um, but obviously, you've still got the Clippers and the Nuggets and such in the mix. So mm. plenty of contenders in the West. Um, but I don't think the Lakers' fall is going to be far enough to actually like mean that much. Yeah. I, I, I disagree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it could mean something. <laughs> I think... I, I would not be shocked if when Le, by the time either LeBron or AD come by the time LeBron comes back mm-hmm. they're like the seventh or eighth seed. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised by that. They're only the seventh seed. The Spurs are only four games back, and they're they're even without without Anthony Davis, they're like seven and eleven or something. They have a losing record without him. So like, they're not that good of a team without him. Mm-hmm. And then let's say Anthony Davis comes back first. What is that's basically the like the Pelicans, the 2018 Pelicans, right? <laughs> and they weren't that great of a team either. Like they whatever they won their playoff series against the Blazers, or whatever. But you know, mm. like I am kind of worried, and it could. Mm. I don't want it to turn out to where it's like last year's Clippers, where it's like, oh, they never meshed really, but like they'll be fine or whatever. And then they kind of got into the playoffs and didn't have any chemistry together, and like just didn't play well. Not really sure if that's the exact same situation, mm. but. It could happen, and like anal- other like talking heads have pointed this out, is that LeBron like definitely benefited from the like four month break they had last season because he could rest, and now he's and even Anthony Davis probably too, mm-hmm. and you know I don't know maybe the injury will get give him time to rest I don't know but <laughs> I I am I'm 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 kind of worried and there, and there's also talks that they might kind of blow things up and try to get Kyle Lowry yeah. in a trade which the trade deadline. This might happen. The trade deadline's tomorrow, so it might happen by the time this episode debuts. But I'd be worried about that because when they were all healthy, they were kind of humming, right? They were like, mm-hmm. I think they kind of were the undisputed front runner when everybody was healthy. I kind of felt like a lot of people did view them as the undisputed front runner. So I don't know. I'm worried about a lot of things <laughs> for the Lakers. <laughs> yeah, in this. even in, even in terms of matchup, like right now their matchup in the first round would be the Nuggets, and then in the yeah. next round they would have to go against the Jazz, and then in theory they'd have to go in the next round against the Clippers or the uh, the Suns. And like having to go through that path just to make it to the finals is tough, and they're already sort of I feel like worn down as a team. Obviously the injuries are showing, but also I think we like we forget they had the shortest off season in NBA history too because they yeah. made it all the way to the finals. They didn't have to. They didn't have that much time to like rest and recuperate, um, so I think it just might be like taking a toll on them at this point. And I think that toll would be even more pronounced 
if you have a situation where they have to play to get to the finals, the Nuggets, the Clippers, and then the Jazz, or you know any iteration of like the top teams in the West, like that's hard to do. Like yeah, there's no cup, not that they're ever you know cupcakes, but it's different. Like playing against you know the Mavs in the first round versus the Nuggets, like it takes yeah. more of a toll. The series would probably drag out more than it would otherwise, yeah. and on a team that's already sort of you know seems a little worse for the wear, I think that could really hurt. Hmm. But, I don't know. It's also not great to be competing with Jokic for the MVP this year. He just got hurt, too. Yeah. And B got hurt. LeBron is hurt. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know who's next. Yeah, yeah. Who is... Who, Harden, Brogdon, right? Who's, <laughs> yeah, yeah Harden, guess, Harden's yeah, starting to get lead line, the MVP you know, charge. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that, I, would, I would be pretty mad if Harden wins MVP. Yeah, that would be weird. Yeah, me, too. I don't think a player is... I, there's no way. There's got to be no way a player has ever played on two teams in a season and won the MVP. I bet you that's never happened. Yeah, it that's is a good right. question. Yeah. yeah, It's a good case for him being the most valuable player, though, that the Rockets lost 20 straight games <laughs> <laughs> in his absence. It was, the yeah. case there is for Christian Wood because they lost all those when he got out. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. <laughs> but 20 straight. Crazy. Yeah. Remember when right after the trade, the, like, the <laughs> Nets didn't look like great initially, yeah. and the Rockets were like playing good defense and winning. Yeah. And I, like I was, I was on the train of like, oh, like the Rockets are gonna be good. No, nope, that didn't happen. Uh, yeah. oh. no. <laughs> Say All right, and we're gonna finish it off, moving back to football with the NFL. Free agency has been going strong over the past uh, week or so. We talked a little bit about last week. The Patriots' big start uh, to free agency, but today, as more moves have been made, each of the four of us are going to offer our best or worst. I don't know if anybody did the worst. Uh, Bart did. Oh, okay. Perfect. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Uh, free agency move for the NFL so far. We'll kick it off with Aiden. So, Aiden, give us your best or worst free agency move so far. Uh, I'm going best, uh, and I'm you know going to be a homer. I'm going to pick the Corey Davis signing uh, by the Jets. The Jets never have good receivers. They have not had good receivers in a long time. Um, <laughs> since the last time a receiver of theirs cracked the top 25 in receiving yard and receiving grade uh, over the past. Uh, five years was Brandon Marshall in 2015 and that was not even like good Brandon Marshall that was like Brandon Marshall at the end of his like career slash prime but Corey Davis is quite good Um, he's coming off a career year with the Titans he was eighth at the position um, according to PFF with an 87.2 grade Um, and he was fifth in yards per route run Uh, so he's He's a like a finally a good receiver for uh, Zach Wilson. I mean Sam Darnold. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll see. He he already backed uh, Sammy in an interview. Um, so I'm sure Sammy's happy about that. But we all know that's not going to happen. Um, so it's I, you know, I don't know if we know that. We'll see. I think we do. I, th- I I think almost I would be pretty shocked if the Jets don't take a QB if they don't take. Zach Wilson, um, and I think they'll have some kind of preseason competition, and maybe you know Sam will start the first three games. But I just I can't imagine unless this really lights a fire under under Sammy. Um, I can't imagine even if he wins the spot, like him having 
a good enough time that he won't be benched at some point and they'll you know be like oh let's let's put in wilson for the second half kind of thing and then Mm -hmm. wilson would take it um because i do think he'd be better but anyway um regardless of whoever it is finally gives them someone to throw to um so that's that's kind of exciting and it wasn't for like that much money it was three years 37 million so like solid deer for a deal for like a underrated receiver so happy with that Bart, you're next. Tell us, what is your worst move in NFL free agency so far? <laughs> yeah, so this is like 100% me nitpicking, but I got to say it's Patrick Peterson to the Vikes. I'm just going to sound off here as a Vikes fan. I'm not a fan of this move because, <laughs> well, for a couple reasons. First of all, because I think Patrick Peterson is washed, or if he's not washed, he's definitely nowhere close to the elite cornerback that he was like six, seven years ago. It's just like name recognition at this point. Mm-hmm. Speaking of PFF grades, Aiden, Patrick Peterson's grade last year was awful, 55, 55. It's like, I didn't even think you could get that low. And he's also like, you watch highlights of him, and it's clear that he's just like not very fast anymore. So what the Cardinals did with him a lot was have him shadow, which is clearly just like not the way to use him now. So maybe Mike Zimmer can change up how he gets used, and he won't be getting burnt on like every other like deep throw. But still, I mean, he, he got targeted a ton last season. He gave up a bunch of receptions, like 50 receptions on 75 targets. He had a lot of interceptions, but he also didn't, like, I think interceptions are not super indicative of how good yeah. of a corner you are. He also didn't get many pass deflections. I think it was more of an anomaly is what I'm trying to say. So that's one thing. But secondly, suppose he even is, like, decent. I still think it's stupid because the Vikes need to be focusing on their offensive line more than their secondary right now. Their offensive line has been bad for so long. This is what bothers <laughs> me. You know what they did in free agency this offseason with, with their offensive line? They let their most reliable linemen go, and they didn't <laughs> sign anyone. And now Mike, Mike Zimmer's got like a, an obsession with like reclamation projects for cornerbacks. So he just, you know, they're taking this waiver on Patrick Peterson when their best lineman, Riley Reef, walked and he got signed by the Bengals for less than they signed Patrick Peterson for. So that's what really annoys me. Now they're going into the draft and they have to focus on drafting for need, which is not what you're supposed to do in the draft. You should be trying to put yourself in a position where you can draft for value instead. They're doing it the opposite way, which just bothers me. I think they could have done. But I think they could have put this money to a better use this uh, offseason. That's why I think it's the worst signing. But like I said, I'm nitpicking. Maybe he'll be decent. Maybe it'll be worth it. But I don't think so. That was a good analysis. I don't think it was nitpicking. I appreciate it. All right, Jared, what about you? So I think I would get. I I think I would get a lot of pushback from Wyatt on this one. Uh, I'm saying Will Fuller to the Dolphins, actually. So everyone complained about Tua not being aggressive enough. This is like kind of the Dolphins' present for him to do a to like get over that because Will Fuller's like kind of a one-trick pony, deep threat, and um, he's gonna be like a a blow the top off kind of deep threat, right? That like even his time at Notre Dame, like the very his my second Notre Dame game ever, right, was against Virginia when Malik or no that that was when Malik Zaire got hurt. Deshaun Kaiser came in threw the game-winning touchdown to Will Fuller with like five seconds left. I believe it was Will Fuller. If, if I'm remembering correctly. Everyone's a sad UVA fan. Exactly. <laughs> so, so, like, Will Fuller's not going to be racking up that many receptions, but he, he can get you he can get the offense, like, some free touchdowns, which you kind of need every once in a while, just, like, yeah. some kind of freebie. He, like, busted coverage. Yeah. And, honestly, he, he, like, beats DBs not even on a busted coverage. He literally just, like, runs by them sometimes. That's so I think the Tyreek Hill hack. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Exactly. So I'm hopefully... Hopefully it helps Tua, you know, make some leap. I, 
Because the thing in, in college, too, it was, like, really accurate on the deep throws and everything. Mm-hmm. But he was not accurate last season, actually. He was only 64% completion percentage, which was 29th in the league. So I was, I was surprised by that. I was like, wow. And even with this signing, a lot of mock drafts are saying that the Dolphins are going to pick, like, Jamar Chase or Devontae mm-hmm. Smith. Um, so they're, they're definitely, if the mock draft is correct, they're, like, building around Tua and – this is only a one-year deal with Will Fuller, too, so maybe it's kind of like a let's see what Tua does. But I, I, I like that move overall. I think it helps him. If you're committing to Tua, it helps him out a lot, I think. And it's only one year. And the Texans continue to lose all their talent. Exactly. They got, they got Tyrod Taylor. But. No, that's true. Game changer. <laughs> um, all right, well, I'll finish it off. And like Bart, mine is related to the Vikings secondary. But it is um, maybe not the best overall move, but one that I think is good for the team I like, which is Anthony Harris uh, going to the Eagles. Even though they're not the most indicative statistic necessarily, uh, he led the interception or the NFL in interceptions just two years ago, and they got him on a one-year, five million dollar deal. I think it's a steal um, essentially, and it's just a good sort of trial run to see mm. where he's at at this point. The Eagles secondary last year, like most aspects of the team was not good so it's good to add somebody who is you know has experience and has played well at that position in the secondary before he did regress a little bit last year but the vikings as a whole were not great last year so i don't know how much of that you can attribute just to his individual performance um and i don't know i think i think the reason i like the deal so much is that it's such a cheap sort of trial run type deal to see if he still has it. Um, and on the upside, you got a great safety, guy who gets a ton of picks. And on the downside, he's gone next year and you don't take that much of a cap hit because of it. Yeah, I think I, I think his semi-down year last year was not indicative. He's Recently, he's become like a really, really good safety. I, I agree that the, it's a good signing. Yeah. I'm sad that he's gone. Patrick Peterson, <laughs> so you got to yeah. Kirk, Kirk Cousins has got to step up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I meant to say this as well. How is it Kirk Cousins being an, a top eight quarterback is supposed to be supportive when the offensive line is trash? <laughs> it's a personal front. <laughs> I, I'm done. Well, Bart's got some time to to seethe about that. Yeah. We're gonna conclude the episode. Um, thanks, thanks for listening. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you listen. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram or TikTok at YouThoughtSport with no S at the end. Um, we appreciate you engaging with the content. A lot of you are starting to engage with our polls. We appreciate that. And yeah, and keep it up. We'll be back next week with a jam-packed episode. Thank you.